Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, we're always on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can catch good things, too, on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Now, today we're going to celebrate the dominating season that the Ole Miss rifle team has had. And joining us to do that is Coach Beasley, along with one of her shooters, Kristen Durton. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. It's so good to have you. Congratulations. Coach, I'm going to start with you. We have gotten an introduction to rifling here on Good Things. Uh, one of your former shooters, or a former shooter for Ole Miss, Allie, she has been on the program a couple of years ago. But it feels like the program is just on this upward trajectory for all the right reasons, would you would you say that? Certainly, um, it's been really exciting to see what's happened in the last. Um, well, I've been here six years, the last six years, and Allie was a senior my first year, and it was wonderful to get to work with her that little bit and to watch how she's done so well, setting a world record most recently. Yes, I agree with that. But then, too, all the other young women that are coming behind her, like you, Kristen, who are making the sport of rifling look cool, at least to me. <laughs> and, to, you know, I have two young girls and, and showing it as an opportunity to be content, uh, competitive and be fierce at the same time. So, Kristen, when did you first get introduced to the sport of rifling? Um, I got introduced when I was in about seventh grade. Um Kind of going into my eighth grade year, I used to be a gymnast, and um, I got hurt and kind of figured out that that wasn't for me, and my parents had found rifle for my brother, but the coach there said that it's actually um, a sport that girls usually dominate, and um, so they took me out, and I fell in love immediately. So, Coach, why is this a good sport for ladies? I mean, you don't necessarily hear that, I don't think, as much as maybe we should be shouting it from the rooftops, but what makes rifle a good sport for women rifle is um, definitely a learned skill sport and a sport where the main determinants of success have nothing to do with the things you're given genetically like height or speed or strength and so the folks who do well um tend to be the ones who are, who work really hard, who are um, very attentive to all the details that are involved in shooting well. And it's truly a gender-neutral sport. Men and women compete 
um, equally together. And NCAA rifle is a co-ed sport. Um, some teams are mixed teams. Ole Miss has chosen to be a women's team. Ah, I didn't know that tidbit. Okay, that's cool. Okay, Kristen, I know your hometown is not necessarily from is in Mississippi. So where's home for you? Uh, I'm from Salem, Oregon, so the capital of, of Oregon. So when you were looking for your college prospects on where, you know, where to take your career to the next level, or I guess your uh, collegiate career, what about Ole Miss was it that you're like, hey, I'm going to come to Mississippi and give this rifling team a try? <laughs> well, other than falling in love with how beautiful the campus was, I just love the coaches. And, um, you know, like Marsha is definitely my like biggest inspiration and I think that you know when I met her as a senior in high school I knew that I wanted to be a part of her program and then when I came out for my official you know I loved seeing how many um, opportunities and how much uh, resources Ole Miss gives rifle and I, I knew that I wanted to go here. So when you when you first got into rifle Kristen you mentioned you were was it seventh grade or seven years old which one was it? Seventh grade. You were seventh grade. Did you know that you could potentially go to school on scholarship or even wind up in the Olympics? Was that was that taught to you or told to you about the sport? Um, it was mentioned a couple times that um, some kids, you know, older kids in my uh, junior club that had gone to college, that that was a possibility. But I um, definitely, you know, didn't see myself, you know, growing up when you're that young. You're like, oh, I'll never be that old. But, you know, here I am, and I was happy to be a senior and get recruited by so many great colleges and especially Ole Miss. Coach, I feel like that's something, too, that more student athletes should know about, or I guess younger students. I'm not sure at what age you get primed and ready to be a rifle athlete. She was in the seventh grade. At what age do they normally sort of enter into the sport to to make it to the collegiate level? That's a, a real good question. Some people actually do get involved very young, say 10 years old, but others um, start in high school, even as sophomores or juniors in high school. And again, there's there's a lot of variation in how quickly they progress. I think the older kids actually have more motor control and are able to progress a little quicker just because they're more mature. But the um, end result, um, we have people competing in NCAA who... Um, a variety. Some started as young as 10 or 11. Others maybe didn't start until they were uh, sophomores or juniors in high school. From the perspective of the program there at Ole Miss, uh, Coach Beansley, what I mean, what are you most proud of in terms of building and programs that you're getting all of these athletes from across the state, I mean, across the country, that want to come there to compete on the Ole Miss rifle team? I think um, the progression of the team has actually really helped us to get people to look at us. And I do feel like um, top recruits are taking a look at us, um, at least talking to us on the phone or when we meet them at um, national championships or junior Olympics. And we are on the radar more than we were um, six, seven years ago. Kristen, I think uh, it'd be a wonderful place to come to, you know, college and, and see your next steps. I know you guys as a team have broken a lot of records, at least school records this year. So brag on yourself. What have you guys been doing this last season? 
Um, this season, I know my teammate, Leah Horvath, she's um, from Hungary. She shot her third 600, which is a perfect score. So um, on the individual level, she's doing amazing as one of my teammates. And then as a, a team as a whole, we broke another school record, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago. And so that was really amazing to see, you know, being a part of that. And, you know, every year I feel like I, I come back. And I'm like, I can't get better. You know, I just feel like we've we've done the best, and then we always end up pushing ourselves farther, and it's it's great to see. Well, the sport of rifling, as I'm learning, Kristen, is all about obviously hitting the bullseye. And you're right; it feels like it would be harder to perfect that over and over again. So, I mean, what do you do to get better? Just practice, or is it? I mean, I can't imagine when you're so close, so many times. How do you practice getting closer? Um, it's a lot of mental training. We do a lot of like mindfulness work here and we also, you know, try and, um, work on the physical aspect as well. So we'll do a lot of balance training and strength and conditioning training. Um, and then we also do like cardio to try and help, uh, get our heart rates down so that when we are shooting, you know, like that's not an interference, especially if you're nervous or at a big match, um, your heart rate can be like a really big factor. And then like, again, like I said, the, um, mental side is really where it's coming from because um, if you're not, you know, mentally present and if you're not tough enough to really stick up there after shooting like Leah did 59 perfect 10s in a row and then needing to shoot one more, there's a lot of pressure and it's just really all of that training coming together. Yeah, I'd blow it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have the mental capacity to do it. But, hey, Coach, if, if someone's listening, they've got young girls in their families that they think might would be you know, a great fit for the sport of rifling, how do you introduce them to it? How do you get them involved? The way of most kids get involved is through junior clubs. Um, also, the couple of websites, that people could go to. The governing body for the sport is USA Shooting. So USAShooting.com, I believe. It might be .org. And then the Civilian Marksmanship Program, uh, which is a separate organization but does a lot more uh, with youth programs. And from those two websites, um, you can find contacts in your area. And I know the uh, civilian marksmanship program has a state junior director in Mississippi. His name is Michael East, and he's in contact with the folks who are running programs, and he's all about promoting uh, junior shooting. Well, I think it's really cool. Congratulations, Coach, on a great season. Congrats, Kristen. I know you're a senior this year, but thanks for choosing Mississippi and taking time um, to chat with us here on Good Things. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All righty, you guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
You can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even watch good things live on C Spire TV. If you got C Spire TV, you can find us on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which probably says foggy and muggy and dreary for a lot of the state. You probably think, where did the winter weather go? I don't know. It goes up, it goes down. Still a long way away from Christmas. It's, the, it's still up for debate whether we will be in flip-flops, shorts, or we'll be in boots and sweatpants, you know, she keep Mother Nature keeps us on our toes. Um, talking about the air rifle, though, if you missed that, you can catch it over on YouTube later on today, celebrating the Ole Miss rifle team's um, great season. Had no clue that it was a mixed-gendered sport and that different schools, I guess, could choose how to make up their team. Ole Miss has made the choice of making it up of all ladies. And, you know, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. They're choosing some great athletes who are out there doing some amazing things. But another way that you can get your kids into air rifling or I guess rifling in general boys or girls all around is your local 4-H I think a lot of times we forget about 4-H being a great opportunity there at our extension um, offices as a gateway to trying these um, different sports. So my oldest, who is 10 this year, this will be her second season of starting archery. And one thing you need to know is I'm pretty sure that 4-H everywhere across the state is signing up for archery, rifle, and air rifle, and some of the other sports, the shooting sports, um, this week. And so I got my um, alert, or at least I know in Rankin County, so I have a feeling it's probably statewide, getting them prepared for the spring sort of season. So if you've got a fourth grader, they can start archery. I do know that for sure. The older kids, they make them wait before they get into the 22 rifle or the air rifle. You have to be a little bit older. I think fifth or sixth grade. Um, and I have to say, I was completely blown away, at least for our extension 4-H here where we live. The time, energy, and commitment that volunteers play into teaching beginners these type of sports and introducing them to something new and um, exciting and getting them, you know, prepared to compete with it. And it's just a different outlet for our kids to have a different set of skill sets. I was really bummed. I don't know if 4-H was around when I was a whippersnapper. Rhino, I'm sure oh, yeah. it was to some capacity. But like everything, it's expanded. Into I don't know the, that shooting sports were nearly as popular right, at that I was, point in time. I was going to say, I don't know if it was as expansive. It was much more of the animal husbandry. <laughs> yeah, which is still a big part of it. And a lot of folks who are deep into 4-H, you, your children are in all the different multifaceted. I even know now they have STEM, they have cooking, they have all kinds of different arms to it. But just bringing it into what we were talking about with the air rifle, if you're thinking, how would I get my kid interested or into that? What's an easy, soft I guess introduction. I would say check out your check out your local extension office to getting started in 4H. I think once you join 4H, it's my understanding. I think you're kind of a member forever, or at least through their um, high school uh, career, I guess you call it, or experience. Meaning you're on the email list, and they just keep you updated on everything that's going on. Um, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm looking forward for her se- second opportunity watching. Her ability to do archery improved from 
I think it starts in February, maybe into January. So whenever they have the little competitions there at the end of spring, it's fascinating to see the growth that they can have in that. I don't know if I'm ready to give her a, a It's a lot easier to convince a kid to, hey, we're going to give you this quasi-dangerous weapon and let you <laughs> shoot it at a target versus, hey, we're going to have you raise this animal and take care of it. And keep it alive and then show it, which, you know, that that there's a lot of skill uh, to that as well. I don't know if I would want my 10-year-old to be responsible for an animal just yet without my help and support of that. Uh, but the archery piece to it, she really did. She really had a good time. And so anyway, just something for you to think about, look into into your local extension. If you're wondering, huh, how do I get my kid into that? That's a great uh, door opener for you. We tell you here all the time that one of the great ways to get the conversation started early with good things is over on the Good Things Facebook group. And today I have just posed a fun question. It's uh, an opportunity for us to take the load off and recognize that we worry about a lot of silly things. We let a lot of, um, you know, in the big grand scheme of things, um, things, I guess to use the word over and over, uh, take a lot of our energy, mental energy. And it got me thinking of all the ridiculous stuff that we lose sleep over. I was going to say things again. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say things in, in the next 90 seconds. I don't know. But it encompasses everything, whether it's people, whether it's, um, you know, something you're mulling over in your work life or your personal life or just whatever it may be. We tend to lose sleep or worry over hindsight's always twenty twenty, the dumbest things ever. And I'm not talking about life-threatening things, you know, life-changing necessarily things. I want to know what are those trivial things that you have lost legit lost sleep over either mulling over worrying about or just simply two so 601-879-4395 rhino you actually chimed in and answered this one what yeah and uh the the reason i chimed in with what i did is because i was thinking like i really like sleep and i usually don't let a whole lot get to me to affect my sleep so it's it's usually something that I'm I'm enjoying too much that winds up cutting into my sleep. And I remembered back to when I was first getting caught up on One Piece, which got a, it's got over a thousand episodes. And I remember getting hooked on it and getting really into it, and then trying to find every waking moment where I could squeeze an extra episode in just to try to catch up a little quicker because thousand episodes takes a little while. And I got in this routine of. At night, uh, I'll take a break before supper to just do something to get my mind off work. And then after supper, I'll do show prep. And then I'll have a little bit of time after that to, to have some more brain break fun time. Well, the after work, after show prep brain break time started growing and expanding into the wee hours of the morning. Because I was taking three and four extra hours a night to watch episodes of One Piece. And it wasn't until... A close friend came up to me about a month and a half into this routine and goes, are you okay? You you look a little worn down. You look a little tired. And it was at that point that it dawned on me, yeah, maybe I need to get a little more sleep and a little less one piece because it's starting to affect my health. So I appreciate that you read the question differently, which goes to show that our personalities can see something. It's the same words, but we can interpret, interpret, interpret. See a different meaning. (laughs) 
interpretate a different meaning. I just still don't know if I got it right. That's okay. So here I am, the warrior of this relationship, who's like, I'm thinking losing sleep over pondering something, can't figure it out. And here you are, as well as David and Janet, you're both on the uh, um, on the Good Things Facebook group, giving me things they're binging, like things that they are enjoying that's keeping them up past their bedtime and they're choosing it out of joy or, you know, entertainment versus, you know, the other way around. But I also feel Candace who says, when I cook roast in the crock pot overnight around 3 or 4 a.m., it smells so good it wakes me up. And my brain says, oh, stay up. It smells good and still lose sleep. Okay, that's still something positive. My mind would be terrified that it went off. It didn't finish cooking. I would get up and check on the roast. Yeah, that middle of the night sniff is is reassuring. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, it's still going. It's still going. Back to sleep. I got to sleep so I can get up. But if you wake up and then you don't smell the roast or that's when you get up and all right, what's going on? You panic just a little bit uh, in that. So. I'm I'm intrigued that you can sort of take this idea of silly things that have cost you sleep uh, in different directions. David was Farmville. That was his binge. It's and, been a minute since I've heard that phrase. And then Janet says, catching up on my Christmas movies that she has uh, recorded. So I, out of just knowing my personality, stay away. I would stay away from One Piece for the simple 1,000 episode reason. Because and I will even now if I'm a season or two behind, this is why you won't convince me to watch Yellowstone because I get it. It's probably very entertaining, but I don't want to get in on it now and I don't want to start back at the beginning because I would lose all of my free time and sleep doing my darndest to catch up to you guys as quickly as possible. And I just, you know, I don't want to I don't want to do that because if you get into that, like, good binge watching something that only has a couple of seasons it'll easily be two o'clock in the morning and you're like whoa i've got to go to bed or it could be the other way you could just have lost sleep worrying over something that now looking back you're like man that was really silly to worry about that you can let us know your stories and more coming up next Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. to good things we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm we're also streaming from the supertalk mississippi app 
Of course, you hope you know we're on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Now, Middays with Gerard will broadcast live from Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo coming up on Wednesday, where there will be Christmas savings throughout the store. You can bring a new blanket or monetary donation to help the Sanctuary Hospice, and you'll be entered to win a prize each hour. Over, 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 over at supertalk.fm, there's some two good headlines I think you might would want to know. Talking about winning a prize, 17 Mississippi lottery ticket holders have been selected in second chance drawing. I didn't know that was a possibility, but you got to play to know what the chances are. A total of $544,000 in scratch-off game prizes were won by 17 Mississippi lottery ticket holders in the second chance promotional drawing that happened on December the 2nd. So according to the Mississippi Lottery uh, Corporation, the winners will be contacted within the next week through a certified letter. So... Don't be throwing your trash out. Make sure you thumb through it all before you think it's just uh, scams or sell papers that you don't need. Make sure you check your um, mail deliberately. And you can also go to supertalk.fm and see the rest of the story and find out if maybe somewhere you bought your scratch-off. They tell you where the 17 places the scratch-off was um, purchased. Now, the Grammy Museum probably thinks it won the lottery, but it didn't. It just got a grant. It got $131,000 for expansion of one of its exhibits. I think this is pretty cool. So one of the galleries in the Grammy Museum is going to expand after a Buildings Funds of the Arts grant along from the Mississippi Arts Commission. The museum is going to use the funds for several repairs, renovations, expansion, and construction at the gallery. If you want to learn more about that, then you can head over to to supertalk.fm and read a little bit more. It's just coming from Cleveland. You're reminded what a great attraction that is for the state of Mississippi. But going back to the question we were talking about today over on the Good Things Facebook group and then pondering here is what is something trivial or minor that maybe you've lost sleep over. Maybe it is playing scratch-offs or the lottery, waiting up in the middle of the night to see if your lucky numbers are the ones who, you know, got finally got you the mega mega millions. You either have uh, too much money to be doing that if uh, it takes you that long into the night to get your scratch-offs done, or you you <laughs> need a a new system because if if you've only got like two or three tickets. And it takes you an hour apiece. Maybe give somebody else the quarter to let them scratch. Well, maybe it's just the, the whole. When it was down to the wire for the what billion dollar one, maybe you were up worried about how you were going to spend it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we lose sleep for all crazy reasons. I appreciate Carol who said at my age, it is trying to think of a word I couldn't think of during the day. Carol, I don't know if I've done that with words, but I've done that with names and faces. I find myself laying there in bed, and it's like, ah, what is their name? And then you sit there, and you're trying to wait for it to like come up from your subconscious to, you know, magically connect with the face that you have holding in your in your brain because you saw them. Maybe you ran across somebody, you had somebody else with you, and it was that awkward. I didn't introduce my husband because I couldn't remember your name, but I felt like I should have. And then you walk away, and you're like, I'm sorry I didn't introduce you, but I just I couldn't remember their name. That's when you got to have, like, the ear tug with <laughs> let the husband know, hey, 
I don't know their name. Help me out here. Introduce yourself. yourself. Right at the at this stage. And then, Carol, I don't know if, if this is you, but you almost set up at a straight 90 degree angle and you're like, John, like, you know, you figure it out. You're like, yes, you're just you're so happy that you're able to connect the dots in your head or think of the word that you were you were pondering. Um, I, I don't know if I've lost a whole lot of sleep over that. But I can definitely feel that. I'll tell you this. Back whenever we were getting married, this is one of the silliest things I, I worried about. And, like, looking back, it's 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 laughable now. But the font for our invitations was such a big deal. I remember that being such a big deal. Which font to choose for the invitations and worrying about, like, which was the right one? Was it going to – I know you're laughing at me. I get it. It's totally irrelevant. But, but – I'm not the only. Because I'm thinking there's there's gonna be what five to choose from. Oh, you got the one no. that's really tightly packed that's swirly. You got the one that's not so tightly packed that's swirly. You got either of those in italics, or you got big blocky font. No, there are there are is is from the here to the eye can see options for that, and I and I don't remember what sparked it to be the great debate that it ended up being. And the funny part is now I just want to meet the person that uses Comic Sans on their wedding invitation. <laughs> now eighteen, almost eighteen years later, um, I don't even remember what we ended up choosing. Right, like those are the things you don't remember. But I remember it being a palpable like worry, like trying to figure out like between however many certain and sort of getting it out. And part of it was making sure the mail system could also recognize that. You know. So not the tightly packed swirly swirly <laughs> with the italics. Again, we all have these just stupid things that like hindsight, you're like, I really wasted a lot of energy worrying about this. And it absolutely, it, I mean, Pick one and move on, right? Like that's what I would go back and sort of tell my few, my past self. And Gary Ferguson says I've, you know, wasted countless sleepless nights just worrying about the future, which is completely, for the most part, out of your control. I mean, there's some parts that you play in manif- or not manifesting. Well, the future is more in your control than the past. You well, can't do anything about the past. That's that's totally true. And so there's words from our, our Yoda from today is if you're still worried about the past, no amount of it is going to change, not an iota of it. So you can repair relationships by moving forward or change the trajectory of past patterns of behavior, but we're not changing the past, no matter how much you uh, beat yourself up for it. But still the future, though, like one of the best definitions of worry I've ever heard was uh, worry is just you afraid that uh, the future won't work out the way you want it to. And that really resonated because really all you're worried about is if things are going to work out in your favor or the way you want them to or not. And so giving up sleep for it is not necessarily going to make whatever it is happen that you wanted to happen as well. Fran adds in there. Teenagers, babies, spouses, and the list goes on. But I would say as a parent, that that's a hard – I mean, I get it. It also doesn't change anything. I would say that's not a silly something to worry about. That would that would be lumped in the, like, life-changing, may have implications on someone's health or, or, or life outcome. That is way more important. Your te- What your teenager is doing at midnight is way more important to worry about than the font on your invitations. <laughs> For for your wedding, but still, nonetheless, 
it's frivolous things that we can't control that we sit up and lose sleep over. Can we all agree that it's a little silly to include the piece of tissue paper with the wedding invitations that does nothing but just keep you from seeing who the wedding invitation is from? <laughs> Are you still stuck on that? I just never understood the point of it. It's it's not a tissue you can use. It It's not even there for like, oh, in case you're... You're tearing up because you're so happy for us. No, it's just extra frou-frou. It's supposed to keep the ink from not smudging. Ah. Uh. I do appreciate the bride and groom who send the save the date as magnets as if I want to look at you for the next <laughs> nine months until your nuptials. But I do. If you send it to me, I put it... I. I do as you instruct. I take it out of the invitation. I slap it up there on the refrigerator. Oh, there was a save the date magnet on the side of the fridge at my old place from a roommate that had long been moved out. And it was one of those I had to stop myself from taking it off the fridge and packing it. I was like, I don't even know these people. This is going in the garbage. (laughs) You know, you have to give kudos, though, to the wedding invitation industry that convinced brides and grooms to send out two invitations essentially to their upcoming nuptials they pay to send a save the date to let you know they're going to be inviting you at a later date to the said date that's on your refrigerator now i mean from a business standpoint it's genius it is <laughs> and you worried and there's a bride listening who worried her tail off whether it should have been magnetic or not what their outfit should have been like, what photos should have been chosen. All now, you look back and you're like, it just wasn't worth the the sleep that was lost over it. Now each of you are going to get a save the date for something and you're going to giggle. You're going to be like, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to prepare myself for the actual invitation that's coming. Kevin and Monticello, worry is like an exercise bike. It gets you nowhere. It's true. Boy, do we worry about a lot of frivolous things, especially here in the West. We've got more for you coming up next. Nothing I can do to keep from crying when he calls your name, Jolene. And I can easily understand how you could easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Jolene. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Watch good things. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. 
And as they say, what's old is new again, and apparently vinyl is back. And according to the Central Mississippi Record Convention, it never left. But they held a big convention, I think this past week, and many were surprised at the millennials and the Generation Z who were out and about uh, buying their vinyls as along with maybe more seasoned collectors, if that would be the right word to say for that. So I think it's cool. you got a lot of younger generations who are really embracing, I guess, the beauty that is vinyl and going back to the roots of music. Is that a fair thing to kind of say? I don't know if the roots of music is the right way to go with it, but they're going backwards instead of going forwards. But in fairness, is there there's really nowhere... once you get into like the digital streaming everything, there's nothing to collect, right? Like you've missed the tangible, I guess, experience. The physical media. Of listening to music. And so they have nowhere to go but backwards. Yeah, I mean, technically you got the phonograph before you got the vinyl chronograph. I don't think people are going that far backwards. Yeah, you're not going to see some hipster pull out a, hang on, let me get out my wax cylinder. <laughs> but... But why the vinyl and not the cassette? Well, that's the thing. Cassette is also seeing a bit of a renaissance just for the the neat factor of, ooh, I remember seeing my dad play with that or my uncle play with that or my aunt have one of those. And and they – it might have been at an age where they weren't allowed to touch it because it was already old at that point. Because if you think about it, I mean, the the kids that are learning about this nowadays, they're – post 9-11 kids they're long after the days of vinyl and cassettes they were well into the cd era so if if you still had a cassette deck or a turntable around it was probably off limits to little hands because it was probably on its last leg so it's the novelty of it but the difference with with cassette and vinyl yes they're both analog in a sense but with with vinyl it's a totally different ball game like you can you can literally take a turntable and even if you don't have a needle it's not going to be the best quality sound but with a piece of plastic or a thin enough piece of paper like receipt paper you can fold it and fidget with it and hold it on the record and still hear what sounds coming out of it you can't do that with an mp3 you can't look at the little squiggles on a screen and go oh yeah i know what that sounds like right I mean, it goes to show that I guess we use all of our senses, not just our listening ears for for music. It's also about the other experience sort of to it. And but, you know, a lot it seems like to a lot of new artists are embracing vinyl and, and letting out records on vinyl, special records that. You know, there's kind of a clapback, I guess, to the digital age or the digital streaming. Well, that and the the mass production of capabilities of today allow for vinyl pressing in a way that was almost unheard of, even at the height of vinyl records' popularity. Because you think of a vinyl record, you think of a black, shiny vinyl disc. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, if someone was just hugely popular, they would come out with an art disc where it was a different color or it had a a picture on it or something. Whereas nowadays, you can custom make your own art vinyl online for 20 bucks and it can have whatever audio you want on it. It's kind of like your own mixed vinyl? Right. Well, hot dog. 
that might be a good Christmas gift for the right person in your life. But, you know, you think about, too, the, everything that surrounded the vinyl. But even with the CDs, maybe with cassettes, but it was a smaller surface, you bring back to the medium of art for storytelling with the album cover. And then the little bit of, you know, if you were a true fan, you read the inserts and you were interested in, like, of all, like, you only get... X number of words to put on your vinyl or to put in your little uh, uh, DVD inserts or CD insert. What did they choose to tell you? Like, what is it? You know, what is their story summed up in? Did they include the lyrics? Did they include the lyrics or not? Or were you just having to guess what that third verse meant? And I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of mystery, too. Uh, I think it's cool to see it back. I also think it's really neat um, the way this article sort of talked about the convention, the Central Mississippi Record Convention, was that you've got the the beauty, um, the meshing of the younger generations with the older generations for a like-minded um, hobby, which is appreciating vinyl, collecting vinyl, you know, better understanding how the machines work. And all the things. And I think that's a beautiful thing as well. So so pretty cool stuff. Um, all right. Stick with us. You got more coming up next with the boys. They'll be with you from 3 to 6 talking sports with Sports Talk Mississippi. But Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. I can see good things for you tonight. Yeah, good things for you tonight. Yeah, good things for you A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.